Okay, so Watergate, 1970s. Some of you know a little bit about it. What happened at the Watergate Hotel? First, did you know it looked like this? Because you saw it on Forrest Gump? No? Okay, interesting. Okay, what happened at the Watergate Hotel? Close. Very, very close. Two mistakes, document and tried. They bugged the Democrats' rooms. Members of the Republican Party bugged the Democrats' rooms in the Watergate Hotel. These are the bugs. This is proof that the 1970s was a long time ago. <laughs> Modern bugs look a bit different. Although they're still small. I mean, you see the like double A battery there. So they bug the Democrats' rooms. Is that why Nixon got booted? A lot of people shaking their head no. Here's why he got booted. And this, I think this is a, a guide for life. Hey, people almost never go down for taking an action. They almost always go down for covering up that action. And that's what happened here. So Nixon, who probably didn't even help plan this whole thing, once some of his people have done it, he decides that he's going to protect them. And he's going to protect them by using the power of the presidency. Holds some meetings, calls people together, and decides that he's going to use the office of the presidency to pressure other people into not prosecuting this clearly illegal action. That's what gets Nixon in trouble. And it comes through with this smoking gun. So here's what I want you to do. I had you lock your computers. Unlock your computers. Go to this website. If you Google it, Watergate Info Smoking Gun Tape, it'll come up near the top. If you'd rather not type the whole thing in and make a minor error and want it to change. Go there, and on that primary document paper, make just a few notes. What phrases did they do that helped bring down the president? Again, I want you to skim. I don't want you to read every word. I love it if you talk to each other while you're doing it. Most of the juicy stuff is partway down.
Okay, what are you noticing? Yes, sir. He said he does have a lot of ahas. Oh, by the way, I should point out that 18 minutes were deleted from this. And that Nixon, you wonder how they got recordings from the Oval Office. Nixon recorded himself. He was super paranoid. He was afraid that someone would come by later and be like, you said this. And so he could prove that he hadn't promised whatever. He tried not to turn the tapes over, but in the end, they were like, this isn't, this isn't a matter of national security. Executive privilege only applies to national security. So we've seen a couple things. You can get more. Looking over shoulders, I'm seeing some good answers, but you're not sharing them. If you're not already ready there, scroll down to the bottom and read those last few things above the line. When Nixon talks about that, this is the way we're going to play it. See, presidents don't, I mean, they get in some trouble for saying stupid stuff, but we've had a lot of presidents who say stupid stuff. A lot, a lot, a lot of presidents who say stupid stuff. That's not enough. When Nixon talks about manipulating the situation to his benefit, these are the things that really gets him in trouble. 
Okay, would you please re-lock your computer? Hold the Windows key, hit L. Okay, so Nixon resigns. This is his speech, and I want you to notice here. Okay, this isn't this whole speech, it's part of this speech. The past few days, it's become evident to me that I no longer have a strong enough political base in Congress to continuing that effort. What effort do you think he's talking about? Yes, not getting impeached and removed from office. That's exactly what he's talking about. As long as there was this base, so as long as people were supporting him, he was going to keep fighting. See, here's the thing. How many presidents have been impeached? You know this. Thank you, Braxton. Three. Three presidents have been impeached. Who were they? Andrew Johnson was impeached because he fired his cabinet without Congress's permission. Didn't need Congress's permission, didn't matter, they just didn't like him. In the end, Andrew Johnson was impeached for not being Abraham Lincoln. Okay, now impeached means that the House puts, sends you over to the Senate to be put on trial. So Andrew Johnson goes over to the Senate, how did they find, guilty or not guilty? Not guilty, so Johnson was not released from office. Bill Clinton, impeached for lying under oath. Hey, the House impeaches him, sends over to the Senate, found guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. Okay, because they didn't think it was important enough. Donald Trump. What was he at first? Actually, you know what? I don't want to go there. Let's just not go there. Well, we'll just pretend that didn't happen. Now, for reasons of not getting fired, let's, um, was Trump removed from office? Was he found guilty? No. So three presidents have been impeached. How many of them have been found guilty and removed from office? Zero. Was Nixon impeached? No. But looking at this document here, he said, as long as there was a base, I felt that it was necessary to see the constitutional process through to its conclusion. What he's saying is I don't have support anymore. I know I'm going to get impeached. And I know that if I get impeached, I'm going to be found guilty and removed from office. At that point in history, Johnson was the only president who had ever been impeached. And so Nixon chose this. There's no longer a need for the process to be prolonged. I won't wait for you to remove me from office. I will resign. Hey, so moving on, we get to Ford. Ford, also a Republican, Nixon's vice president. Ford becomes president, and the first thing he has to deal with is Nixon. Ford stands up. He has a press conference. He wants to talk about the economy, which is starting to go to the toilet. Hey, let's talk about the economy. So they have this press conference. 
the media, they raise their hand, and what's the first question they ask? Yeah, exactly, good, about Nixon. And the second question they ask is about Nixon. And the third question they ask is about Nixon. And the fourth question, they, like, it's the only thing anyone wants to talk about. What about Nixon? He resigned. Can you hold a president guilty for something they did in office after they've been removed from office? This was Trump's second impeachment. Was it actually constitutional? Because he was out of office by that point. You're all looking all confused, which is smart, because we don't know the answer. There's no mechanism for it. The mechanism the Constitution gives us for dealing with a president who's done something illegal in office is to impeach them and remove them from office. If they're already out of office because their term's over, what do we do? We don't know. So Ford's there. Ford's there sitting there, what are you going to do about Nixon? He's like, I don't know. How come the people with the powdered wigs didn't decide this? This is frustrating. So he finally decides, you know what, I'm just going to pardon him. Just so we can do anything else. The country needs to move forward. I'm going to pardon him. And he, he's very clear. He explains exactly why he's doing this. He's like, listen, we can't talk about anything. We can't do anything but talk about Nixon. So I'm going to just pardon him so we can just talk about anything else. Does it work? Yes. Yes, it does. So Gerald Ford becomes the president. Nixon's done, and we don't have to talk about him anymore. Uh, Ford does a lot of vetoes. He does them because he's trying to fight inflation, and then because he vetoes some things, then he, he realizes they need to stimulate the economy. Then the economy's stimulated, but inflation starts going up, so he vetoes other things to try to fight inflation. So he just, it's like a yo-yo. The 70s is a terrible time. This is what leads. So in history, we talk about cause and effect. Having a terrible economy, living through a terrible time in history, leads to terrible music, disco. what happened for anyone listening to the recording that was a joke some of them laughed but they were quiet about it so don't put that like on KSL or something and try to get me fired I just don't like disco but I played it for you because that's the kind I can give you stuff that I disagree with okay so it was a hard time things were difficult back then but Ford was most famous for his personality. Clearly, this is not going to go on your test, but it's kind of interesting. Ford swore all the time. The dude had a potty mouth. And so because it was a different era, although they still do this sometimes with some people, um, they put a delay. Anytime the president would speak, especially if there was a risk of getting a hot mic, you know what that is when they leave it on and on accident and they don't realize it's on? You know, you know this because the current president has this issue also. Um, they, they do a delay so they can beep out what he says before it ends up going to the ears of impressionable children. 
He's also super famous for golf. So Ford was a natural athlete. He was really good. He was a high school athlete, college athlete, super fit, strong and whatever. But he wasn't, I'll just tell you what he did. He did this several times. So he'd have someone come and visit him. So some high-ranking foreign leader shows up. And they have this whole, all these meetings in the White House. All morning, they have these meetings. Lunch comes. Ford, it's time for, to resume the meetings. Ford is gone. What he's done is he's gone golfing. So the Secret Service comes into the foreign leaders and says, you know, I'm so sorry, but President Ford had an emergency he had to go deal with. So we'll just have you wait here until he's dealt with this emergency while he's off golfing. You can get away with some things when you're president, I guess. Now, I told you he's a natural athlete, but he did have one experience. He was getting off Air Force One, getting off the plane, and they had the steps open. You know how they sometimes do that so that he looks all presidential, waving and whatever? So he's getting off the plane, but it's raining, and the steps are metal. So he gets near the bottom, and he slips. Catches himself okay, especially for a fairly old man. You know, he catches himself, gets back up, shakes the dude's hands. It's not a big deal anywhere except for on Saturday Night Live. First season of Saturday Night Live, they decide to make fun of him for being a klutz. And so I'm going to play this clip for you. But I want you to think about this. This is the second thing for your primary document paper. How do you think public portrayals like this one impact how Americans view foreign leaders? Okay, so having watched that clip, thinking about this question, I, I mean, also think about some more modern ones. Saturday Night Live. The Tonight Show. How do you think they impact how people view these others? Okay, let's talk about Carter. I've got quite a few questions on Carter, but he is pretty short. I mean, what we're going to say about him is short. Hey, during Carter's presidency, he inherits 
the recession that Ford was trying to fight. Now here's, for political science, with only two exceptions in the history of the United States, you can predict which party wins the next election by the economy. It is the single best predictor. And the reason's simple. People worry about the economy. They worry about whether they can get food for their families. They worry about that kind of thing. So if the economy is good, if people feel confident, feel good about how things are going, then they vote for the party in power. If they don't, they vote for the other party. Now that does not predict congressional elections, it only predicts presidential elections. But this is why the Democrats right now, if you're a Democrat, be worried. The economy is an issue that needs to be dealt with. Okay, so Carter inherits the recession. Because Ford was a Republican, the economy's bad, so they vote in the Democrat. And then the economy stays bad and gets worse. <coughs> there is an energy shortage, a massive energy shortage. See, most of the oil in the world is produced by a few countries. Together, they form a group called OPEC, the Oil Producing Economic Cooperative. OPEC decided that they would cut off oil from the United States or reduce the amount that they gave to us. And so, as a consequence, we had a shortage of petroleum. We produce a lot, but we use more than we produce. The result was this. I love this photograph because of the man with the lawnmower. He just makes me happy. You had a situation where you could only fill your cars on certain days. They decided it by what it said on your license plate. If you needed to fill your car that day, you got in line. And you hoped that the gas station did not run out of gas before you got to the front of the line. If it did, you couldn't fill your tank and you just weren't driving till the next time that gas station had gas on a day you were allowed to fill. It was a terrible shortage. This is why a lot of presidents have talked about energy independence for the United States. Because when we're relying on people that we don't get along very well with, like OPEC, this is a problem. Like, this is a serious problem. It leads to stuff like this. I should have chosen a different picture. I have one where the the line goes clear around like an entire block. And that was pretty common. Um, but I just like the man in the lawnmower. Like, I like it so much. He's got such a 70s outfit on, too. Yay. That doesn't mean Carter was all bad. Carter did some good things, especially with foreign relations. So this is Anwar Sadat from Egypt. And Begin, I can't think of his first name. We'll just call him Steve. Begin from Israel. Hey, how do these two countries get along? Yeah, I see a lot of head shaking, like just no. That's, that's a good answer. They do not get along. They hate each other. They've hated each other since Israel was created. So Carter calls them out to Camp David. Camp David is like the president's retreat. It's where the president can go to relax, chill out, enjoy himself. And because it's owned by the government, it's secure. 
The Secret Service keeps it together. So at first, these guys refused to even talk to each other. At one point, one of them even stood up and started to leave, and Jimmy Carter physically blocked the door. It's like, I'm not letting you leave till we have a peace, peace agreement. See, Carter was a very religious man. He taught Sunday school before he became a, a president, a hard worker. My dad always called him a peanut farmer, but his main career was he was one of the pioneers for the nuclear navy. He was a nuclear physicist for the Navy. So this is, he's a smart person, whether you like him or hate him. There he is. So he decided he wanted this peace treaty. So he sits there, blocks the way, and in the end managed to convince them to sign a peace treaty. Now the reason we care about this particular one is because it is still in effect. It's one of the only lasting peace accords that are ever, that's ever written for the Middle East. So it's pretty impressive. Unfortunately for Carter, the economy is the big issue, and he's not fixing it. Oh, I forgot about the Soviets. Good thing I have a slideshow. Carter also has an unusual foreign policy compared to other, a lot of other presidents. Carter was a huge champion of civil rights. He said, if we really hold that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, including life, liberty, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, then we ought to hold other nations to this standard too. And so... That makes the U.S. even more unpopular with the Russians, the USSR, because, of course, we know that the Soviet Union is not known for its friendliness towards dissenters, right? They also stopped making deals with dictators. Big thing. So the Soviets, seeing that they think that Carter's weak, they decide to invade Afghanistan, one of a country that's not too far from them, if you think about it on a map. Right, Russia? Okay, so they, they decide to invade Afghanistan. Will the U.S. fight Russia directly? No, why not? What's going on? Cold War. If we fight them directly, it's a nuclear war. Nuclear war is bad. Everybody dies. We don't want that. So instead of joining the Afghans, what are we going to do? We're going to support by giving them weapons. This dude gets his grenade launcher from the U.S. Why do we care? Why would I be emphasizing this? Because later, some of those same people are going to use those weapons that we gave them against us. We'll talk about that after 9-11. This is part of why the Afghan war was so long. It's because we gave them weapons to help fight the Russians, and they used them against us. Hey, now, things are already bad, but then they get worse. Carter realizes that the big thing with the economy, the way you improve a capitalist economy, is you put more money into it. 
And the way you put more money into it, the best way, the most effective way, is to convince people to spend money. So he stands up. Carter, I said, he's a smart guy. He understands this. So he tries to explain it to the American people. He stands up and says, hey, guys, things are bad. You know why they're bad? Because you people aren't spending your money. The way to solve this is you need to understand how the economy works and you need to start spending your money. How much do Americans like to be lectured to? Very good. Not at all. Not at all. So they call it the malaise speech. Like, you lazy Americans, they, they don't like this. They don't like the way he's put it. American people don't want to be blamed. By the way, Reagan will solve this problem by just getting up and saying that everything's fine. And convincing everyone that everything was fine. Everything was going to be fine. That's not all it takes, but that's part of the power of it. So Carter gives this speech. Then, as if that's not bad enough that everyone's angry at him for this economy and for his speech about the economy, in the nation of Iran, one of our ally nations back then, they had a coup. And the Ayatollah, a religious kind of dictator, takes over. They did something that you are not supposed to do. They went into the American embassy and they kidnapped the entire staff. You're supposed to leave diplomats alone. But they didn't have a lot of respect for international law. So they held them hostage. People said Carter should go to war. People said Carter should do this or that or the other. In the meantime, Carter then loses the election. He looks like a failure with his foreign policy. Like I said earlier, the economics really matter. His economics are not good, so they vote in Ronald Reagan. Carter decides he's going to spend his entire lame duck period trying to get this staff freed. And he does. He works and he works and he works at it. In the end, he managed to do it, but they were so mad at him that the Iranians had the hostages sitting on the tarmac. So they're in the plane waiting to take off, waiting to go. And they don't let the plane leave until Carter's not the president anymore. On inauguration day, they hold them until Reagan is then the president, just to spite Carter. Does it work? Not really. Carter doesn't really care that much. He just wanted them freed. So that's Jimmy Carter. Hey, now, I just want to make sure you know for this last, this last project, so yes, you will have a few more primary document analyses, but they're all going to be like the ones you did today, all short ones in class. The one you did yesterday is the last long, drawn-out one. Other than that, it's just the assignments. I want to make sure you know how this, this final presentation is going to go. Okay, so you're going to be sitting there doing the thing, and I'm going to assign you a number. And I'm going to assign someone else a number, and then I'm going to just pair them together. So you'll be sharing it with one person at a time. So think that through while you're doing it.
remember that the thing that's going to lose you points the fastest is if you're boring and you don't really think it through. You are free to ask them questions. Do you want to see this? Do you want to do this? It should be interactive. You with me? You're probably going to give it two or maybe three times. Three to five minutes. Was that your question? That's like I'm clairvoyant. You impressed? You're not impressed. Thank you for looking mildly impressed after I needled you for a minute. Okay, so rest of the hour, work on those things. I had a conversation with another teacher who was amazed that I give my college classes time to work on stuff in class. He's like, that's not normal, and it's not, but see how nice I am. <laughs>